Inez says the anti-bilingual ordinance is prejudice on the books, an affront to Latins, and a burning issue in that community. Every time I go out, I cannot escape from this issue. Let's get it over. He believes Dade County is ready for another debate. I think that we are mature enough. The people, and I'm talking about the people that really care about Dade County, to express our point of view in a decent way. Valdez will this week face heavy political pressure to drop the issue, but he has made it a mission. And if I fail, I will try again two years from now. And if two years from now fails, I will try two years after. I don't think that I will die before that I see that Dade County does not have in their books an ordinance that hurt the feeling of a segment of this community. He knows he might face a recall campaign. If that happened and I lose, that will not going to stop me. And despite the firestorm of hate calls and death threats last week, Valdez says the issue is too important. I will not going to back off from this because I, this is something that hurt hurt the community, and I will not go into back off. Jim Loney, WINZ News, Miami. My name, Jose Jimenez. I mean, this man is so stupid and so desperate and so all alone out there on the edge of that limb that it's embarrassing. It's disgraceful. And I wasn't even going to talk about this today. I said that on Saturday, and of course spent Saturday apologizing to everybody for four hours, and I just want you to know I take it all back today, okay? But, uh, no, seriously, we weren't even going to talk about that. We've been going back to what we've been doing here for a long time. And, Mr. Mister Lighthead, you know if you listen to the show, what you say in the column, what we've been doing for seven months on this show, we rarely get into heavy issues. And we certainly don't spew hate on this program. But, boy, when it's convenient, Mr. Lighthead becomes a great liar for Knight Ritter and the Miami Herald. And I quote, Neil Rogers, mouthpiece for our hatred. Rogers isn't to blame. He merely profits from hate by bringing it to the surface. It's the sick mentality of this town that's to blame, and not even entirely of this town. Many of Neil Rogers' listeners, like himself, don't even live in Dade County. They live in Broward and had to call their threats to the Metro Commission last week long distance. The appeal of virulent radio talk hosts like Rogers is to the frustration of listeners, not to their intellect. Who tunes in expecting a mild, balanced discussion? Rogers would starve without wrath, and thus his soaring ratings are not a mark of community distinction. Even by writing this column, I add grist to the mill. Rogers will have the stuff of a fresh tirade this week, urging listeners to call the Herald, heap abuse, and cancel their subscriptions. The anonymous, manipulated legions will do as they're told, mindlessly hypnotized by the voice. I can almost hear him. So now you're mindlessly hypnotized. Do you believe that? Do you think you're mindlessly hypnotized for speaking out against the big, powerful herald? Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable, the trash this whitehead writes. Sure, I listen sometimes. He might make you mad as hell, but Neil Rogers is never dull. He doesn't do it alone, though. The radio man tells people what they want to hear. Otherwise, who would listen? He appeals to dark, underlying rages with the skill of a surgeon excising a cancer. 
In the process, he serves as a startling messenger. Last week, it was the bilingual issue and the efforts of Metro Commissioner George Valdez to rid the county of that ugly English-only ordinance that Hispanic Dade Countyans find so offensive. The result of Rogers' radio harangues, at one point he hung up on Valdez on the air and called him an idiot, was a torrent of telephoned abuse to the commission. The ugliness ranged widely with Commissioner Sherman Wynn even hearing himself called a Jew bastard. Thus, South Florida's inner sickness came vomiting out, goaded by the voice on the radio in a torrent that the well-meaning Valdez never anticipated. But if ever there was a message to the commission to leave the damned ordinance alone, lying on the shelf like a dirty but toothless dog, I'd say this was it. Rage on such a scale only begets more, and it served no purpose in a city divided against itself. But I repeat, it's not the creation of Neil Rogers or any other clever manipulator who fills the airwaves with whatever prompts folks to tune in, get mad, sound off. The thing that a radio hate merchant thrives on is already there, eating at South Florida like an ulcer. And it's really nothing new, being as endemic to these subtropics as mosquitoes and mildew. It's the nature of a troubled town. This place, you see, is a city of rootless runaways, people who've left Jersey City or Evansville, or Havana, or yes, West Virginia, in search of an idol, a place in the sun. Many merely bring their troubles with them because we can't run away from ourselves. So in the strange subtropic light of South Florida, where the sun cooks your brains, and the traffic is terrible, and people speak Spanish and Creole, and the paper's full of mayhem, one is just as miserable as before, or even more so for being older and lonelier. They came as strangers, and remain as strangers in a metropolis of strangers, bitter, angry, frustrated strangers with no roots. After 20 years, home is still someplace else. And one day on the air, a voice comes ranting and raging at what a rotten town this is and what stinking politicians we have and lousy traffic and Haitians and Cubans. It's a nagging, assertive kind of voice. And I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore kind of voice. And a light comes on. And the listener says, he's saying what I feel. And the ratings of Neil Rogers take another uptick. Scary, isn't it? End of quote. From a lying, no good, miserable moron at the Miami Herald. Were you born an asshole? Or did you work at it your whole life? I mean, if somebody who's never heard this program would read this column, they would think that every day on this show, we sit and we spread hate. And all we do is encourage people to hate each other. It's interesting that what I've been saying last Wednesday through Saturday in discussing, discussing the disgusting Mr. Valdez and this whole business is just the opposite, that we don't want to open up all the old sores, we don't want to have encourage people to hate each other, and that that's all that this could possibly accomplish. And as far as people's feelings being hurt, only Mr. Valdez, evidently, has his feelings hurt because he's so stupid he doesn't understand that the anti-bilingual ordinance just has the effect of bringing us back to where we were before 1973, a county in the United States of America where people speak English, where English is the language that business is done in because we're part of the U.S. of A. That's all. That's all it really has the effect of doing. Because a lot of people's feelings were hurt, Mr. Valdez, when Mayor Orr and the other Metro Commissioners arbitrarily, 14 years ago, decided to declare this the only officially bilingual county in America. That hurt a lot of people's feelings. Because it said to them that maybe they were living in a foreign country, not in the U.S. of A. 
Now, to go back to the beginning of this pathetic column, and it really is pathetic, because it has nothing to do with what this show is all about, and not only is it an attack upon me, but it's an attack upon all the people in the audience. And you notice there are two references here to the ratings, and that's what bugs the Herald. See, every time these ratings come out, and this show keeps doing better and better with astronomical ratings, that pisses off the people at the Herald because they can't stand it. Because it means that more and more people are going to be hearing me expose them for what they are, for the pandering that they do, for the twisting and manipulating of the news that they do, and calling those numbers in Dade, 350-2000, and in Broward, 462-3000, and saying adios to the Herald. Hasta luego. And that circulation figure that's been dwindling already is going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping, and the Herald is going to have no place left to go. Because they're not fooling people in the Cuban community. Even the most emotional of the people in the Cuban community don't want to be pandered to in such an obvious, such a phony, transparent way. The Spanish-language radio stations pander to some of those people's emotion. That's a different story because they know how to pull the trigger, the right emotional triggers to get those people started. But the Herald does it in a very phony and a very transparent way, and it's an insult. It hurts the feelings, to quote Mr. Valdez, of people in the community, and it certainly hurts the feelings of those who are non-Latin to realize that the major local newspaper in South Florida is not interested in people who don't speak Espanol, but is only interested more and more and more in pandering and in twisting and manipulating because they've got to get their circulation back up in Dade County, period. And that's not according to my paranoia or something that I've created in my mind. It's according to articles in the Wall Street Journal, the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, about the game plan of the Miami Herald. And going right back to the beginning of Mr. Lighthead's column. You know, he keeps saying all through the article that it's not my fault. I'm not at fault for anything. It's, uh, you know, I just bring it out. Bring out the worst in the people. It's all there. <clears throat> Many of my listeners, like me, don't even live in Dade County. They live in Broward. Well, Mr. Lighthead, I hate to break the news to you. I don't know when the last time was that you were out of Dade County and away from your ivory tower at One Herald Plaza. But there's no wall at the Dade-Broward line. And what happens in Broward, and if you do listen to the show, you heard me saying this all week long last week, <clears throat> what happens in Dade influences all of South Florida. Because the rest of the country and the rest of the world looks at what happens in Dade and what happens in Miami as a South Florida phenomenon. So all of us suffer. Those people who depend upon tourism, those people who are in business, those people who just would like to live in a community that has a more decent image. We all suffer. This is not a Dade County issue. It's a South Florida issue, Mr. Lighthead, as if you don't already know that. And I talked about that specifically. I said, even if you live in Broward, Palm Beach, Monroe, you're certainly entitled to call because what these people plan on doing by opening up this referendum and opening up all the sores again is going to have impact. It's going to have fallout on all of us. If they drop nuclear weapons on Homestead, God forbid, tomorrow, Mr. Lighthead, those of us who live in Broward would be in jeopardy as well. Fallout. The appeal of virulent radio talk host. Rogers would starve without wrath. Isn't that interesting that during the last seven months, when this show has become primarily comedy and entertainment, very little discussion of substantive issues because the people don't really want to talk about them anymore. I've had the greatest success that I've had in the 11 and a half years I've been in this market during these last seven months. But my mind and my life and my show would starve without wrath, according to Mr. Lighthead. 
and my soaring ratings are not a mark of community distinction. In other words, Mr. Whitehead has set himself up as a censor, as the Herald very often does. And what he's saying is that you people who listen to this program have lousy taste. That it's a bad reflection upon you that you listen to Neil Rogers. Like a little child. You see, this is how the Herald respond, like little children. Oh, we're not going to put his listings in the uh, radio page anymore. Even when he has a guest, don't put it in there. Of course, the day that Linda Thornton said in for me when I was on vacation, that made it in the listings in the Miami Herald. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that peculiar? That that made it into the Herald radio listings when Linda Thornton was on. Well, when I came back and when Fred Schatz was a guest on this program, we don't have a lot of guests, but on those days when we do, even then, the listings will not appear in the Herald because the Herald continues to be like juvenile delinquents, like a bunch of little brats. And if somebody dares to attack them, if somebody dares to expose them for what they are and what they're doing and how desperate they are, then they will strike back in a most juvenile way. And that's what Mr. Lighthead has done in this column. Sure, I listen sometimes. He might make you mad as hell, but Neil Rogers is never dull. On the one hand, he's condemning the other people in the market for listening. What a shame it is that my ratings keep going up. And on the other hand, he's... He's defending the reason that he listens on occasion, and probably more than just on occasion, and you can bet your life that he's listening right now. He probably has the radio turned up so loud he's getting sexual excitement from my from the voice, as he calls it on this show. He appeals to dark underlying rages with the skill of a surgeon excising a cancer. And he talks about Mr. Valdez... Oh, boy, this line really gets me. South Florida's inner sickness came vomiting out, goaded by the voice on the radio in a torrent that the well-meaning Valdez never anticipated. If you think Mr. Valdez is well-meaning, and that's the reason that I played that piece with Jim Loney a minute ago, after the last break, you heard him in his own voice, in his own broken English, say, no matter what happens, he's going to keep bringing this back over and over. This is the same man who said three years ago on my show he would never bring it up. And now he says he's going to keep bringing it back over and over and over again until the day that he dies. He's going to keep beating us over the head with this. Oh, we just have this uh, flash. Dick Capon, and I didn't hear the interview, but I heard that it was one of those, uh, you know, one of Bunky's uh, marshmallow interviews yesterday. He interviewed Dick Capon of the Herald. And we now find through a very reliable source that Mr. Capon would not appear with Bunky Byer yesterday unless I wasn't mentioned. Isn't that interesting? So now Mr. Capon sets the rules for what's going to be discussed when he appears on any program. I mean, anybody who's afraid to appear with Bunky Byer, I mean, has got to be desperate to begin with. Bunky toasts the best marsh marshmallows since the weenie roast last summer, okay? All of his questions are marshmallows for politicians, uh, newspaper publishers, you name it. And they always have been. But Mr. Capon wanted to make very sure that I would not be a topic of conversation. I guess that would have been a little embarrassing. Especially if Bunky would have asked how many subscriptions have been canceled, what the number was, and how far the circulation has gone down at the illustrious Herald. You see, Mr. Capon, you got to look yourself in the mirror. You like to blame me. And you'd like to blame everybody else, but look in the mirror. Now, when I first came to this town 11 years ago plus, the Miami Herald at that time was still a pretty decent newspaper. They were still childish, and the first time I attacked them, they wouldn't put my listings in the paper. They were still like little children, but it was still nonetheless a pretty good newspaper. 
and a pretty moderate newspaper. They hadn't gone into full gear on their pandering process, not at all. That didn't happen until Muriel, when they decided to take sides. And when they became some of the great promoters of the Muriel boat lift and some of the great promoters of the Metro Rail, as they had in the late 70s. And then, of course, promoters of Bob Martinez. Everything that's been poisoned to this community, everything that's been detrimental to this community, the Herald has promoted, the Herald has been in bed with. And now the Herald turns around and says, oh, there's that ugly messenger, that ugly voice on the radio. He brings out the dark side, all the negative things in the people here. And Whitehead, all through the column, keeps contradicting himself. Oh, don't blame Rogers. He's not He's not the fault. The people here are this, and the people here are that, and they're frustrated, and they're bitter, and pa-pa-pa, beep, beep, beep. So I guess what he's saying is that I'm not supposed to discuss the truth on this show. As long as I do like the Herald does and lie a lot, then I'm a good guy. And I'm not going to do that to make Mr. Lighthead happy or Mr. Capon happy or any of those other bastards over there at One Herald Plaza. I'm not going to come on here and lie. And it must be tremendously disconcerting to them to see for once. You see, the only way that they can survive is by, like the politicians, many of them, keeping the town divided, divide and conquer, the tri-ethnic community. Boy, they just love that phrase. You know, stick the backs of the blacks, you know, back into Liberty City and Overtown. Nobody cares about them. And let's pit the Anglos against the Latinos. And, man, you know, we're going to win because we got the numbers now. And all of a sudden, WQBA and Salad and all of the Cuban leaders and Neil Rogers and uh, uh, everybody's saying the same thing. They're saying we don't need this referendum. We don't need to argue. We don't need to hate each other. We, the last year and a half, we seem to be doing a little better than we had been doing. Let's have a little peace and harmony among the ethnic groups in the community, and let's everybody try to get along. And all of a sudden, they, they can't handle that. Oh, my God, everybody get along. What will we do then? So, you see, I have done a service here because I've brought to the attention of the public the kind of divisive efforts that are made by the people like George Valdez, who wants to be a professional Cuban instead of a commissioner for all of Dade County. Oh, the pain, the pain, it hurt, it hurt, it hurt. It hurts me when a jackass like George Valdez won't take no for an answer. And no matter how many phone calls come in, you hear him in his own voice. He's going to continue this no matter what the consequences, and that's disgraceful, and that alone should be cause for his recall. Get rid of him. Let's have commissioners, and but the rest of the commissioners have got nothing to be proud of either. The fact that they've allowed one yo-yo like him, one ignorant yo-yo, to get them into this whole thing. See, they thought that they would go along and they'd put it on the ballot and nobody would, you know, expose this for what it was. And all of a sudden, Neil Rogers got on the air. And why should it have only been me? See, that's the thing that disturbs me tremendously. Why should it have had to be me? Why aren't all the other leaders? Why isn't the Beacon Council and a Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce, why aren't all these other so-called civic leaders, why didn't they immediately come out last Wednesday and say the things that I said on the air here last Wednesday? These are the self-appointed leaders who are so concerned about the image of this community and the future of this community. Where the hell were they last Wednesday? Unbelievable. Thank you, Fix-It. And I think that Mr. Valdez owes this community an apology for being a stubborn fool, a stubborn old fool. A stubborn old illiterate fool. Sorry that we didn't have this on Saturday, and I apologize for that. But thanks to one of our listeners in the radio audience, one of those horrible listeners who listens to this show, we've got it today.
look in the Webster's Dictionary for Mr. Valdez. The word never, not ever, at no time, not under any condition, not in any degree. Not ever, Mr. Valdez. That's what never means. It's 16 before 11 at WINZ or 14 or 15 or somewhere in there within about, you know, three or four minute radius. We don't really nitpick on this show. Let's do our last break and we'll come right back. Is here with you till two. Stan Major will be along at two, and Stan has promised me one of the first orders of business on his show today will be to call and cancel the Herald on the air, and shame on Stan for subscribing to the Herald even now. Right? I've been trying to convince him, and he's finally seen the error in his ways, and will be canceling on the air. Can we uh, crank this monitor up a little bit? Because on the weekend, I think somebody turned it down. Can we just go back there and crank it up? Because I honestly, you know, by one o'clock. Usually I can't hear myself, but now it's like uh, desperate. So if we can really crank it up good, in fact, we can do the whole, that's great. In reverb, we can just uh, get a little reverb in the background and we can do the show in stereo. Like the good old days when we used to have all that RF bleeding through in the background, we can bring back the old days because we like our listeners to feel comfortable. Anyway, and of course our douchebag listeners out there, because Mr. Light has already told you exactly what you are, and I want to see some cancellations at the Herald today that's going to make Mr. Capen grow new hair on that balding head, okay? I want to see thousands of people finally come to their senses. And I was listening to a good part of Mike Spindell's show yesterday, and I heard a, one lady who called in, had some nice things to say about me and this show, and agreed with a lot of what I've been saying, but she said, well, she's been thinking about canceling the Herald, but she hasn't been able to bring herself to do it yet. You know, you'd be amazed at how much better you'll feel, really, once you've canceled it. And it's interesting, Mr. Lighthead also characterizes, you see, everything I do, according to him and according to the Herald, is always in a real hostile way. I haven't suggested that anybody calls the Herald and heap abuse upon them. Those are his words. Uh, urge them to call the Herald, heap abuse upon them, and cancel their subscriptions. The last part is accurate. Cancel their subscriptions, yes. But heap abuse upon them, no. I haven't said that any more than we've solicited death threats for Mr. Valdez or hate calls or anti-Semitic calls or any of those other negative calls that are attributed to me. But, of course, this is business as usual because, as I've always told you, when something bad happens, I'm responsible for it. And as Brenda Lee said, I'm sorry. No matter what it is that somebody's upset about, I'm responsible for it. If a tornado touches down in Sweetwater, Neil Rogers is responsible for it. If somebody calls Mr. Valdez and calls him a douchebag, I'm responsible for it. I mean, grow up, will you, Charlie? Grow up. Boy, I mean, for a pathetic old fart like you, you think you've been around the block long enough to realize that you can't blame one person for everything bad that goes on. And I want to see them pay a wicked price for continuing to distort 
and to lie. How can they have it both ways? On Thursday, the Herald edit, and of course, the, the, the line that they would love to give you is, well, you know, the editorial board, Mr. Whitehead's column are totally separate. Right. Right. Sure. Thursday, two editorials, not one, but the two lead editorials, agreeing that we don't need this referendum, agreeing that Mr. Valdez is all wet, and agreeing that the Metro Commissioner should never have caved in, which is exactly what I've said and exactly what I've urged you to call and tell them. But now we have to get even because those ratings are getting too high and it's getting out of hand and uh, we're losing a lot of power and a lot of subscribers and now we've got to get even. So let's do a real slice job by name. See, Whitehead has written about me in the past, usually by innuendo. Very rarely does he specifically mention my name. On occasion, he has. But, I mean, this is as blatant as you can get. Neil Rogers' mouthpiece for our hatred. He's listening. Now, the rest of you, when you listen, feel guilty, okay? Sing that song by Brenda Lee. You know, you've got to be sorry that you listen. But when he listens, it's okay because I'm never dull. What is it that you want? Monkey called. He's upset with me? Well, tell Bunky that we speak the truth on this show, and I've said that many times before. Bunky tosses marshmallows. That's going to be a new movie, by the way. He didn't. Did that come from Ron Harrison? Is that what you said? Well, Ron, what can I tell you? Ron owes an apology to my audience and to me for spewing misinformation. And he got that from Tom Gallagher, who gave it to him. So Tom owes an apology to me and to my audience. And Bunky owes an apology to the whole human race for those marshmallow, those cream puff questions, Bunky. Oh, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, oh, you're wonderful, Mr. Mayor. Oh, you put us on the map, Mr. Mayor. Bunky only wishes that Maurice Ferre would make a comeback, boy. He loves every part of Maurice's body from head to toe, every follicle on his body. Bunky Schmunky loves him. Bunky, you can drop the Y. So if you ever, if you want to have a weenie roast, and you want somebody to do the marshmallows right, invite Bunky and his lobotomist. They'll come along as a tandem team. You'll never guess what movie was on Cinemax last night as part of the previews. One of those bonus movies that they're not really showing yet, but um, it was on. And I caught the last hour of it. Stand by me. Well, it had its moments, but it was such a depressing, such a depressing. I mean, if you were blown away by that movie, it reminds me of Candace Russell on with Lee Fowler this morning, who was attacking the Untouchables. How anybody could not have liked the Untouchables beats the hell out of me. And then both Candace and Bill What's-His-Name, our former friend from the Herald, both of them are talking about what a brilliant performance by Robert De Niro, an Academy Award-winning performance as, uh, as um, Al Capone. He's hardly in the movie. He's like 40 seconds, I think, in the movie. You know, he's not in the movie. But uh, it's because it's Robert De Niro, therefore we ought to consider him for an Academy Award, you know? Forget about, uh, what's his name there, Sean Connery, who was great. He was great in the movie. Forget about him. But uh, Robert De Niro, all brilliant, brilliant. What a portrayal. And how he was crying at the opera. I mean, who, you know, was he crying on his own? Or did somebody write that in a script, you know? Oh, really? Is his mic on? No, good. That's good. We don't want to overdo it. Not on a Monday. Not this early in the week. In spite of what Charlie says, our audience is not that bad. They don't deserve you. 
Oh, she doesn't like. Yeah, she was going on about the violence and the baseball bat scene and all. Oh, she was just uh, upset. But Stand By Me was very depressing, and um, it was. It was very depressing. And at the end, so what does that have to do with it? It was still depressing. It was very depressing, and most of the kids were ugly anyway, so, you know, who wants to see that? No, but seriously, it was a depressing movie, and then at the end, he's writing this, you know, and uh, about this kid, Chris, who was the only good one in the bunch, by the way, but very young, okay? I, I do want to say very young. Uh, like, they were 12 years old in the movie, okay? I mean, even Stan would be embarrassed by that. Uh, but he's writing this and thinking back, and, all, and then he tells about his friend, Chris, who uh, became a lawyer and... Um, was in a bar, and this uh, guy pulled out a knife and got into a fight with somebody, and he tried to intervene. He got stabbed in the neck and died, and he hadn't seen him in ten years. But, you know, it, it was so depressing, morbid. And it was absolutely no way reflection of life in the 50s. In fact, it was really interesting, because if anybody with an IQ of over three would catch it, they were using expressions that nobody used in the 50s. You got it. You got it. Nobody said that in the 50s. That wasn't the 50s. Nobody ever said from that, you got it. Or uh, it would have been like they said, go for it. You know, I mean, there were expressions that nobody ever heard of in the 50s that they were using. But, of course, some of you who are a little too dense to uh, to understand that, who get swept away by emotion and who cry at anything. I mean, this guy cried at the opening scene in The Godfather when Marlon Brando was fondling that ugly cat. So what does that tell you? So if there's anybody out there, you know what it reminds me of? It's like those guys who called in, who must have been shills. They must have all worked at the shops over there about the Galleria. And then we never heard from them again. They all disappeared pronto when we exposed the fact that the Galleria is like a ghost town. And anybody who wants to troll in a mall should go to the Broward Mall where all the beautiful bodies are. Well, except for two that I can think of immediately. But uh, nothing's perfect. But anyway, if you would like to uh, discuss this with us, and I noticed that nobody wanted to talk to Mike yesterday, but that's not unusual because nobody ever wants to talk to Spindell anyway, okay? He has a lot of people who listen for some bizarre reason. They did very well in the ratings on Sunday, and I congratulated him for that. I say it again. But, Mike, I've been trying to tell you for a long time, they don't like you. They don't want to speak to you. They don't want to know from you. They don't want to discuss your subjects. They don't want to call. Well, some of them want to call just to irritate you and drive you nuts. They don't like you. They don't like the Mets. They don't like that stupid little cap. They don't like anything. And he doesn't want to accept that. He just doesn't want to accept it. And then Ira, I guess, was a little bent out of shape because I said that uh, his ratings be real good, too, or something like that. And, of course, uh, being very, very sensitive about all that racial stuff, man, he just uh, had a nervous breakdown about that. And they do be good. I mean, what's wrong with that? A 6-5 on Sunday morning, that'd be fantastic. I mean, if George Valdez can come up with some of the phrases he did in that tape, I mean, uh, just butchering the language, butchering. Okay, let's give our numbers out, and I have a feeling that maybe we'll get a couple of calls in the next hour. And what we really want to concentrate on today is saying adios to the Herald, really. I mean, this should be just one more little, one more little notch in their coffin, as far as I'm concerned. One more excuse to say, hey, you know, I can survive without them real well. And the Herald in Dade, 350-2000, and in Broward, 462 3,000. And you don't have to heap abuse upon them. I mean, if you want to, you know, it's a free world. But just uh, get rid of them, you know. Our numbers in Dade, 624-9400. 624-9400 in Inglés. In Espanol, forget it. In Broward, 524-9400.
9400 in Broward. And Michael Wolf is here with local and area news headlines. We have some really exciting world news from CBS at the top of the hour as we check to see if the globe is still spinning around on the outside in the real world. And then we'll come back at 11.06. Close to a year ago, uh, I did a bit for the morning show called Hallandale Vice. And uh, we were approached by a gentleman who uh, produces the Miami Vice uh, jackets, satin jackets. He has the, uh, what do you call it, the, um, the franchise rights on those. Uh, he came to me and asked, uh, first of all, for me to um, do some answering machine messages for his business and uh, using the Don Johnson voice that some people say I do okay. Um, and then on the back of the tape, he said, you know, I really love that uh, Hallandale Vice. Would you throw that on the back of the tape for me? So I did. And, uh, of course, uh, in the n next coming months, we wound up doing a promotion with his company, a co-promotion, where we at a local nightclub and we uh, aired the episode of Miami Vice, the season premiere on the big screens, and we gave away a bunch of his jackets and things like that. But the man wound up going over to Neil Rogers and taking that, that bit well, without my authority over there, claiming, of course, that it was his. And he had to cancel check because he had paid me by check. And I, I suppose on the little notation there it said um, something about uh, phone machine messages or whatever. Uh, he claimed that he had a canceled check that said I had out and out sold it to him. And you may have heard several months ago he and I went round and round on Mr. Rogers' show over there in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Uh, we went round and round on the air about who owned the rights to that. And uh, he wound up producing evidence, letters from lawyers, and all of this business. And, uh, you know, personally, I'm not going to sit on, on, on this show and talk bad about him or talk bad about Neil, because as I understood it, he had, uh, he had done some favors for Neil. He had provided them with some, some things. That's as I understand it. And so how could Neil get on and, and talk bad about him? But uh, and originally I was not getting the credit for that for that bit, and they had played that for months and months. And I understand that didn't exactly hurt Neil's ratings. Uh, that bit that caused a big stir over the people with Hallandale, and that that um, that helped him out just a little bit. But uh, one thing that was never brought out, and I never thought about it, this gentleman who claimed that uh, he owned this bit and could do whatever he wanted to with it. Uh, was the fact that in most radio contracts, Mr. Rogers and, and Mr. Bailey, if you're listening, and I, I assume that you are, um, in most radio contracts, there's a clause in there that says that everything that you do for that radio station during the term of your employment remains then and forever, even after you leave the sole property of the radio station. That's why you hear a guy's commercials, and you're, you know, you're wondering, well, where did he go off to? I never hear him on the air anymore, but I hear his commercials. That's because radio stations, it's usually, it's a standard. It's built into his contract. So this gentleman that thought that I had sold him that bit, it would have been like if I had sold him the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, I had no right to sell it to him. So if he thought that I did, then a fool and his money are soon parted. But uh, here it is, live and in person, and, and probably the first time on this radio station that uh, historical and hysterical, hopefully, bit uh, Hallandale Vice. 
They're two Miami cops with a hot new beat. They're on the streets fighting crime. They pop at the handicapped face there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Hallandale Vice. We got a problem. The Cray Gang is up to the old tricks. Lieutenant, isn't that the group of senior citizens who went around trying to get the early bird special after seven? Yeah, they're back in town. Let's go get them. They'll stop at nothing to clean up the streets. Hey, lady, you can't cross here. You'll have to cross in the light. And they're determined to clean up the smuggling business. All right, sister, you're under arrest. Oh, so now you're arresting my wife. What's the charge? Possession of powder. Open that purse. Uh, let's see that white stuff. Yeah, just a thought. She's got over 100 bags in here. Of what? Sweet and low. From that restaurant she just came out of. Let's take them in. Yes, there comes the hit Miami Cubs on a hot new beach in Hallandale Vice. Premiering this fall on MBZ.